0: morning chapel richmond scotch edition men and women in chesterfield county jail love you love you love you thank you so much thank you midlothian well we're launching a brand new series today i'll tell you more about that in just a minute, but I always love to look at the camera first and say good morning to everybody online, and then, of course, God's doing incredible things at the Chapel and Scott's Edition in Richmond, and I know you guys had a big outreach at Pumpkin Fest yesterday impacting 20,000 people, and so thank you for your outreach heart there, and then, of course, the men and women in Chesterfield County Jail love you. You're not a project to us. You're our people, and uh, we love what God's doing in the jail. Isn't it so cool to know that we're you got people in different rooms I mean this is literally a miracle in technology that as we worship here in Midlothian we worship in the city and in the jail and online and if you're on vacation today we're mad at you but the rest of us are glad you're here today Um, and uh, so excited about what God's doing in the life of our church. Like you heard in those announcements, this is a huge kind of outreach season of our church when it comes to fall fest and women's Night, So use those uh, outreaches, ministries to connect with people and invite people and uh, and, and, and let them come hang out with you. How many are thankful to be a part of a church that loves Jesus, right? You're a great church. I want you to know that you're one of the most amazing groups of people I've ever been around and thank you for your generosity. I I told the the 815 service a couple of weeks ago that there's a guy I met after the 1115 service and he introduced himself to me and he said, you remember me and I couldn't totally remember who he was and I said, I definitely know your face and we had just baptized him in the jail and then he was here at worshiping on a Sunday and I just love the idea that you get connected. Think about this. Think about this, a miracle. Through Tri-Hope, you can be part of the chapel and in a small group before you get out of jail. In fact, our current leader of one of the Tri-Hope small groups that meets after the 1115 service became the leader before he got out of jail. I said to myself, man, this is the best church I've ever been in. We've got small group leaders that, that are doing God's ministry in the jail, out of the jail. I mean, just thank you for all the ways that you give and support and minister that we can make a difference in our city. It's so uh, so special to see that. Well, we're launching a series on the book of Joshua, and it's about what God has for us next. How many believe God has something for you next, right? And <laughs> Next for your family, for your situation, for your circumstance. And that's what the whole book of Joshua is. It's the first five books of the Bible kind of lead up to this moment where God's people been stuck. Star- in the wilderness 40 days and then God says to them you don't have to stay there you can get ahead of where you are you how many are grateful you don't have to stay there you can get out of there and get forward I was reading a a few uh, months ago an article in the New York Times that said that after COVID languishing was the word they used Americans are languishing I don't even know what languishing is but it's just kind of like And and I don't don't believe God's made us to languish. Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. That doesn't mean there won't be battles or trials or struggles, but it does mean that because of Jesus, we should walk into the future he has for us. And so over the next few weeks, if you want to prepare for it, you can go through the book of Joshua kind of on your own. And we're going to look at chapter one this week. Next week, we'll look at chapter three. We're going to look at how God leads his people. Next week will be amazing how he moves the Jordan and he sets up a a, town Testimony to the children and generations to come of his faithfulness. And man, I was just praying that over our church. God, do something so big in our church in Midlothian and Scott's Edition and in the jail that God, generations to come would be changed forever. I don't know if you look at it. I think we're facing a challenge some of our young people like no other generation has. And I'm praying that God raises up not only our generation, but come on, the generation. How many know that's what a godly church does? It raises up the generations to come to know, love, try and treasure Jesus with all their hearts and so so we're going to look at that next week and then a couple weeks from now we'll knock down some walls in Jericho it'll be fun and uh, how many love demolition? I could preach the whole series now let's back it up and just get started uh, but uh, in Joshua one God's about to lead them into a new season and they've just walked through a painful one because Moses their leader has died and you you could hardly overestimate Moses importance in the nation of Israel he's led them out he's the he's the you know he's the prince of Egypt right he's the one that that took them out of egyptian bondage and led them and now as they're approaching the new thing he he passes away but god lets them know i still have something for you in fact the whole book of Joshua kind of begins that way god says Moses my servant is dead how many know god really gets right after it Hey, hey, everybody, Moses is dead, you know. But, but you and all these people get ready because God's plan isn't cut short just because Moses isn't here. I heard somebody say, when a man or woman of God passes away, nothing of God passes away. In fact, somebody said, they described a funeral this way. They said, when you die, you think the whole world will end, but there'll be a nice service to honor your memory. Then everyone will go eat potato salad and they'll move on with life, Right. And I know that can be discouraging, but I want to just remind us today that, that seasons of life, people come and go, but God's plan doesn't end, right? His purpose doesn't end. He speaks to a people facing a season of uncertainty and calls them to what he has for them in the future. And, and that's what the whole book of Joshua is. It's about the future. It's about God leading us into something good. It's about trusting him into new seasons and new ways. So I was preparing for this series I was reminded of C.S. Lewis's great quote or great illustration. He describes a family who took their little child to to the beach, and he describes them coming out of the front of the hotel, and it's just rained, and the little child's dancing in the mud puddle. And the mom and dad are trying to pull the child out of the mud puddle so that they can go around the back of the hotel and go to see the ocean. But that little child is so excited about the mud puddle that the child is dancing in the mud puddle and as the parent is trying to pull that little, little boy or girl out of the mud puddle, they're, 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 they're pitching a fit and upset blah, 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 because they don't know that right around the back is an ocean of enjoyment, right? And you know, when I was preparing for this series, I said, I wonder how many Christians we get kind of caught in this world. And this culture and what we're going through and what what we have. And some of them are good things. But if we're not careful, we'll just dance in the mud puddle. And we won't realize that there is more on the other side that God has for us. And so if you will this weekend this series is kind of a calling to let go of the mud puddle to 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 let to, to 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 release it to 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 lay aside the things that have fascinated us and to go after all God has for us right That's what the book of Joshua is the people of God coming out of the wilderness. And God tells them, I'm telling you, get ready because you're going to cross the Jordan into the land that I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you some good things, some new things, some territory that uh, that's going to help you. So I want to talk to us today about how do we walk into what God has for us? How do we move in to the next thing? How do we move forward? How do we make progress in life? Anybody want to move forward, make progress? Let me give you just four things I see from Joshua chapter one that, that we have to do. The first thing is pretty simple, you just have to come on, you have to what? You have to move forward. <laughs> how many know you can't get forward by moving backwards? This is deep preaching today right it's why the 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 dashboard is bigger than the rearview mirror right it's it's why god has more for us and he wants to lead us into more to us he has he it's why it's why it's always harder to go backwards than forward my my daughter has a car that doesn't have a backup camera and she's not very good at going reverse and so she backs out our driveway she stripes the lawn almost every time she go. it just looks like somebody dug it up you know what i mean because uh, it's harder to go backwards than it is to go forward. And I just am convinced so many of us we're, we're tempted to get caught in the world of living backwards. Let me tell you how it worked for the nation of Israel. They have for 40 years been wandering in the wilderness. And, and I think they've gotten used to the wilderness. <laughs> they may not like it, but it's comfortable. They got used to grumbling and murmuring and complaining and languishing in the wilderness. And now God's calling them in this new season out of where they are into where he's taking them. But it involves them being willing to let some things go. And in fact, in the book of Joshua, he uses the word God does possess 50 times. He says to the people, I'm going to help you possess, and the, the word land, 87 times. It's about the nation of Israel moving out of the wilderness into a place the Bible calls the land of Canaan, which is a land of milk and honey. That's what the Bible describes it as, and uh, I, I don't know, that sounds gross to me, but it's the idea is it's of abundance, it's of the good things it's what god has for them god's going to lead them into a land of milk and honey god's come on god's calling them to leave cookout and go to ruth's chris amen how many know nothing good can come from cookout it's not even food i'm sorry my kids love it and it's the worst uh if you work there i apologize uh it's great they love it so it's, we're kind of divided but you get the idea God's saying that you, you are in the wilderness but I have something new but they've got, I think they've gotten comfortable they've gotten used to they're holding on to they're, they're caught in this moment and God's teaching them to move on from that in fact the two things that characterize their life in, in the wilderness is grumbling and murmuring don't you love the word murmur come on it sounds like what it is come on just say it with me Scott's Edition Midlothian come on murmur Come on, turn to the person next to you and say murr, murr. Isn't that fun? That sounds horrible. It sounds exactly like what it is, right? It's, it's uh, struggling. It's grumbling. In fact, you could during the week maybe go read 1 Corinthians 10 where Paul uses the nation of Israel as a warning to us and he actually says God killed them off in the wilderness because they were, they were so murmuring and complaining he couldn't even do anything with them but then God led a new people into the land because they were willing to trust God and so this series is about moving forward this series isn't about holding on to the past or living with where we are or getting comfortable where, we, where, where we're currently residing but to move in to possess God's given us the land but how many know you have to possess it, right? right? It's not as though the question isn't whether or not he's given it to us. The question is will we cooperate in faith to occupy the land he's given us? And the hero of the book of Joshua, or the, 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 the most popular character, his name is Joshua. And literally his name means Jehovah is salvation, okay? So every time they would say Joshua's name, it would be a reminder to them that he, God's the one who saves. And God's the one who's going to deliver. And God's the one who's going to lead his people into the land that he has for them. And and that's what this whole series is about. Moving us out. Come on. Moving us out and into the good things God has for us. Moving us out and into the good things God has for us. When uh, Katie and I got married and I moved out of my uh, parents' house, uh, I decided I was going to do something special for my parents. And that was, I was going to turn my bedroom it was a surprise because my parents were out of town into a little sitting room for my parents and so I had this great idea we painted it and 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 all these amazing plans we had we got pictures we decorated it all and then the plan was to take this couch that was downstairs and put it upstairs and my parents were going to come home on a Sunday night and I was going to say you're amazing parents and I'm leaving congratulations you know and uh you'd have to see my 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 parents' house growing up, it had like a doorway that the stairs you came in through both directions, but it was kind of long story short. I, I couldn't, I thought I could get the couch up the stairs, but I got it perfectly wedged in. And I, and I, it was, have you ever been moving something and it's like this far from moving? And you say to yourself, the frame's got some wiggle. So that's what I kept telling Katie the frame's got some wiggle. Come on. Just the frame's got some w- No, she said, it's not going to fit. I said, the frame has got some wiggle. Come on, just, pu- just push it more. And I pushed it till, till she was right. The frame didn't have no more wiggle. But now I couldn't get it out. And this is before the day. Nowadays, they have the great idea to take the legs that unscrew off the couches. How I many you know what I'm talking about? This is the day before they did this. These were like built in, and the only way to get the couch off was to take the hand. Take so I literally I took a handsaw from the the uh, garage and I cut the legs off of the couch. And then it was perfect. It fit right up the stairs. And I, I didn't know how to put them back on, so I just set the couch there. Now, I don't know if you've ever sat in a couch that you lowered it about eight inches, but it's like a free fall. My, my parents come in, I'm like, congrats. And my dad starts to try to sit on the couch. And it's he just sort of has to have a control, just hold my hands, and I just, just fall into it. You know what I mean? And, and, but but <laughs> I know it's a bad idea, but uh, here's what I'm telling you there's something about seasons of moving out, right? And I'm telling you this, God comes to the nation of Israel and says for 40 years you've wandered in the wilderness and it's time to move out of where you used to be and move into where God wants to take you. How many want to move out and move in, right? Like, like, that's what God has. And God gives them a promise because he says, I understand it's going to be difficult. The, the Canaan is occupied with, with uh, uh, enemies and, and warriors. And What are you going to do? And God gives them a promise. Just look at it. I will give you every place where you set your foot. The same promise I give Moses is the promise I give you, he says, your territory is going to extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. No one's going to be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. I love these words. And I will never leave you nor forsake you. Aren't you grateful for a God who doesn't leave us or forsake us? These words, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He's going to say them again. We'll see him. But they're repeated throughout scripture, right? Jesus says, Matthew 28, and lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Hebrews 13, five, I will never leave you. Nor, Here's what he's telling them, that he's leading them into some big challenges. And they're gonna have to learn, just write this down, not only to move forward, but to learn to listen for God's promises. He says, you know the promise I gave Moses? That promise endures, Joshua, in your life. And he says, every place your foot sets, I'm gonna give you, I'm giving you this land. And he knows, God knows that over the next season of life, they're gonna have to occupy land, battle warriors, deal with internal strife in their nation. Uh, uh, There's gonna be challenges in the good land, but God's gonna help them listen not to their problems, but to God's promises. How many know we need to be reminded of God's promises? He's for you. In fact, somebody said, I want to learn something new about God. I found in scripture, more often than teaching us something new about God, God reminds us what we already know. Because how many know we're prone to forget? In fact, in Deuteronomy, he tells these same people, remember the Lord when you enter the land. He says, be careful that once you once you dig wells and pitch tents and build cities and occupy lands, that you don't say to yourself, by our own strength, we have done this. Remember, the Lord is the one who, who created all this in your life. He tells them to remember God's promises. Corinthians says, the promises of God are yes and amen. Anybody thankful for promises from God, right? A few years ago, my son, he was probably seven or eight years old and For Christmas, he wanted a Wii Wii U or something like that, which is a video game, I think. And uh, we were trying to figure out, and he said, I can't, everybody knows at Christmas time, kids really only want one present. There's one thing they want. And I didn't really want to get it for him, but Katie, he was saying, I can't wait to play with my Wii U to Katie. And she said, Well, Jordan, I don't know, maybe you won't get a Wii this year. You're just assuming you're going to get a Wii. We didn't tell you we're getting you a Wii. You should kind of guard your expectations. And she said, and he said, of course I'm getting a Wii U. Christmas is a time of impenetrable hope. He's like seven. So she tells me and I wasn't going to get him a wee, and I was like, ah, he knows the word impenetrable. So how many know a couple days later, come on. Christmas is a time of impenetrable hope. You want to know why? Because there's something about clinging to the promises of God. I felt like God just sent me here this weekend to remind you that you have a good father. Jesus said, if you ask for a, for a bread, would he give you a stone? If you, ask you, if you ask him for a meal, would he give you a snake? No, no, no. God gives good gifts to his people. In fact, Tom Watson tells us to remember the promises of God. Trade much in the promises. The promises are great supports to faith. Faith lives in a promise as the fish lives in the water in that good faith lives in the promise the fish lives in the water the promises are both comforting and quickening the promises of god keep us from sinking when we come to the waters of affliction oh trade much in the promises for there is no condition that you can be in but that you have a promise right i'm here to remind us today you have a promise from god He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's called you. He's equipped you. He has a purpose. He has a plan. He's call, he, he set his hand upon your life. And in the middle of life, it's easy to get distracted by other things. But God's telling the people, as you move into wilderness, into the new land, out of the wilderness, into the new land, you're going to have to learn to rehearse the promises of God to remind yourself of the promises of God, to stand on the promises of God, to trust in the promises of God, right? God has given us a promise. In fact, Romans 8 gives us this great verse. It says, how will he, God, who has given us Christ, not freely also give us all things? This is what Paul is saying. If God took care of our greatest problem, which is salvation through Jesus, do you think he's not gonna take care of the little things in life? (laughs) Here's what he's saying. If God did the big thing, saving us from our sin, you think he's not gonna do the little things? How many know he does the little things? He's faithful in our lives, right? And God gives them a blueprint then. He says, as you move into the land, here's here's how you're to think. Here's how you're to operate. Here's how you're to live. He says, keep this book of the law always on your what? Come on, on on your lips. Now, it's interesting to me that when God talks about his word, the first thing he doesn't say to his people is read it. The first thing he tells them is to be people who speak it. And I think the reason we don't think this way is we don't live in an oral tradition like they did. Most of the the people in the wilderness at this time, the Israelites, would have been peasant farmers who didn't even know how to read. Okay, they're illiterate. And so they didn't have an option to read the scripture all the time. And so what happened was the scripture was read to them. And what they learned to do is memorize the scripture. And then they would speak it over one another. And I was thinking to myself this week, you know, there's something great about reading the Bible. But there's almost something even more powerful about speaking the Bible. I mean, there's something about reading the Bible. Yes, we, we read it, we study it, we meditate on it. He's going to tell us that in a minute. But there's even something more powerful about just speaking God's word out loud, right? In fact, one year, it's been like a decade ago, I got the Bible on CD. This is back in the day when people had CDs. It was by Max McLean. I can't remember, something like that. He, he had a British accent. How many know God, when he reads scripture, has either a South African or British accent? He does. doesn't talk like me you know and i'm telling you i would listen instead of reading scripture in the mornings i would just listen to scripture and it just hit different i can't i can't explain same words i had read before but when i'd hear them there was something about and here's what god tells his people let the book of the law always be on your what come on on your on your lips then he says meditate on it day and night so you can be careful to do everything written in it then you'll be prosperous and successful and then he says it again have I not commanded you be strong and courageous don't be afraid do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go All right just write this down cuz I want you to see the order of how he teaches them that as they move into the land they're going to have to learn to live according to God's word okay and he, and he gives them the, the order of how they're to do this. And it's kind of the opposite of the way we do it. We think of think about it and meditate on it and then speak it. But he says, first, let it be in your mouth. And then and then let it be in your meditation. And then let it be the mindset or the way you think of the world. Let this book of the law be in your, come on, in your what? Mouth. And then, and then you're going to learn to meditate on it. And then it's going to eventually become your mindset. This word "meditate" in Hebrew is a farming term, and it refers to uh, how cows would chew their cud, swallow it, bring it up, swallow it, bring it up. You get you get the idea, right? Isn't this encouraging today? Right? Here is what the Bible's saying: You don't just read a verse or two and move on. You you think about it. You read it, mmm. Then later in the day, you go, you know what? I need that again. You bring it up. <laughs> and you chew on it some more. And you swallow it again, right? It's a it's a picture of, of not just reading God's word. My, my, once but letting it become the the subject line of our thinking letting it let it be like the reality that plays over our mind and over our heart letting letting god's word not only fill our lips but become the meditation of our life and then he eventually says when that happens you'll start to live out a mindset full of faith how many know our life moves in the direction of our most dominant thoughts right and so he says, if you're a person that speaks God's word and you're a person that meditates on God's word, then you're a person who will have a mindset of victory in life, right? And, and he literally tells them that you can overcome doubt and all the uncertainty of what's going to happen in the promised land if you're people that speak, meditate, and mindset on God's word. Here's what he's trying to keep them doing. He teaches doubt dies when it remains unexpressed and it grows when it questions the goodness of God, okay? Okay. In fact, we don't, we're don't. we going to look at this in two or three weeks. But in, in the book of Joshua chapter 6, how many remember the, the walls of Jericho? Anybody remember that? So it's interesting. They march around the walls. And then on the seventh day, they march around them and they blow trumpets and they fall, right? But there's an interesting little verse in, in the first six days that they walk around them. The Bible says, <laughs> Joshua says, as you're walking around the walls, don't talk Don't talk to one another. And when you read most commentaries, they say the reason he's telling people not to talk is imagine what they'd be saying if this was their military strategy, if they could talk. This is the stupidest thing I ever heard. You see these walls? That looks like them big walls. In fact, we'll learn it in a couple weeks. There's two sets of parallel walls, 65 feet, and they would pour boulders, scalding water, and archers over the top. So imagine if you imagine if you and I were walking around and we were allowed to talk. You know, that's a lot of guys that could shoot us with those arrows. Yep, and they're probably going to pour boiling water on us and hit us with rocks. And Joshua says the game plan is we're going to walk around this a bunch and then on the last day we're going to get a flute and a trumpet and we're going to blow it and then we're going to win. How many know after six days of talking there'd be no faith left in there? So God actually tells them you can't even talk. Have you ever had a moment, parents, let's just confess this, you can't get your kid to obey or understand what you're saying and you get to a place where you finally just say don't talk. In fact, my mom used to put it this way, if you can't say anything nice, Come on, you had the same mom, didn't you? (laughs) Text her today and tell her, good job, right? Could she say, I don't even care. You might not, I I don't have anything nice to say to my sister. That's fine. Then I want you to rot in silence, my mom would say, right? Right? Because if we're not, what happens is we speak words of doubt. We speak words of questioning God's good. Did you know? I'm not sure. In fact, I don't know if you've looked at it this week, but the war in Ukraine and Russia's getting kind of bad, and there's this little threat of uh, you know, could it go nuclear? Who knows? And the Fed's going to the, raise the rates. And they say gas prices are going to come back up and inflation's going high. And and, and there's lots of storms that's going to ruin every beach you've ever been to because all the water's raising. The end of the world, we're all going to live in Iowa, in the middle of the country. And, and I got news for you. It's going to be bad and it's going to be bad this year there's going to be another pandemic uh, it, it, the whole, it's just terrible even Alabama lost I mean is God even on the throne anymore and I'm here to tell you today just because they lost yesterday doesn't mean God won't be faithful in the end amen I'm just telling you, doubt doubt dies when it remains under. If you have a choice to express doubt or be quiet, here's good preaching today. Just be quiet. It'd be better to be quiet. (laughs) Proverbs says, it's better if even a fool will be kept thought wise if they're quiet. You say, how do I be thought wise? Just walk around like... (laughs) People are like, oh, they're deep. You heard them say anything deep? No, but man, they are deep. (laughs) And God's teaching His people to talk different, and meditate different, and think different. Oh, that we would talk different, and meditate different, and think different than the world around us. That we wouldn't mimic or mirror or you know uh, repeat back the the worries of the world. That we'd be people who stand on the promises of God. Anybody want that? Right. And he ends by telling them this. I wish I wish this verse wasn't here because it indicates they're going to have to have courage for something. Be strong and courageous. Do not be what? Do you know every time God tells someone in the Bible not to be afraid, it's because there's about to be something in their life (laughs) that they should be afraid of. You're like, I love these promises. I don't know, you know. I mean, when the doctor comes and says, it's not going to hurt that bad, I just hear, no, it's going to. He says, do not be afraid. He's telling them to be strong and courageous because they're gonna need strength and courage. And he says, here's what gives the same promise again. Look at it multiple times. For the Lord your God's gonna be with you wherever you go. He's teaching them, be strong and courageous. The word courage is just to have a big heart. And Joshua speaks over the people of God, courage and confidence. He says, the world around you is discouraged, not you. You're people that trust In the Lord your God. And He puts hope in them. I was a junior in Bible college, and those of you who've been at the church a long time have heard my story. Uh, When God called me to be a pastor, I was the most introverted teenager you've ever met. I mean, just, you know, the weird kid? That was me. And uh, in fact, I was so. Introverted in elementary school, my first grade teacher thought I had problems. My mom still hates her to this day, Mrs. Getches. If you're watching, I forgive you. And uh, I remember I was actually picking my nose with my pencil in first grade. I've told this story if you've been around long enough, but the eraser broke off in my nose. That's how you know you were getting it done. And uh, and I was so <laughs> I was so um. I was so embarrassed to tell anyone, I tried to call 911 in the hall. I just so, I mean, when I was 16 or 17, probably 16, when I felt like God called me to be a pastor, and I remember telling my mom, Mom, I feel like God wants me to be a pastor. Now picture the kid who never talks to anyone, and is kind of different. And my mom, I'll never forget my mom. She was like, oh. How many know when your mom doesn't think you can, you can't? Like Your mom always thinks you can and I remember I was a junior in Bible college and Dr. George Cope, who was the president of Bible college, came to me and he said, hey, there's a, a church in Massachusetts that's looking for a staff member. And they asked me who I'd recommend. I thought I'd recommend you. And I was—I ended up not taking it, but I remember asking him, Dr. Cope, uh, why would you recommend me? And I remember him, I'll never forget him saying this, because I see something in you, Brandon. And for a year and a half, do you know every time I doubted whether or not I was I could do ministry or whether or not I was just gonna to have to go back home and work for my dad's construction company or was this all you know you know what gave me the confidence one man just saying Dr. Cope would say I see something in you and every time he'd say that you know what it did it gave me strength and courage and you know what Joshua did he spoke over the people of Israel strength and courage he didn't say to them, now let me tell you about how big the walls are in Jericho, and let me tell you, let me tell you about the, the giants. He didn't do any of that. He just rehearsed the promises of God and he spoke blessings over the people of God and it filled the people with confidence. Right. How many know we ought to be people that speak life over one another, right? In fact, in fact that's our students learn this past Wednesday night that become well, our thoughts about ourselves. that God thinks becomes the soundtrack of our life right like it, it's in the background of our life and it's filling in the gaps of what's God called me to and where's he placed me and what does he have for me and Joshua tells the people no no, no the whole world might be afraid and discouraged and uncertain but you we are not of those people we are going to be strong and courageous God's going to be with us wherever we go here's why because we're walking in his presence we're going to see in just a few chapters, chapter five. God, I, I, I shouldn't preach it because we'll preach it later. But he meets a man and he says, "Are you for us or against us?" And the man says, "I'm not a man. I'm the captain of the Lord's army." And he realizes it's a it's a picture of God appearing to him. And the man says, "Take off your sandals, for you're in a place that's holy." It's God recreating the call that He created on Moses' life when He took off the sandals at a burning bush for Joshua. In the pre- here's what God's doing. He realizes before He uses a man greatly, He has to encounter. He has to let him encounter the presence of God in his life. And Joshua gets this confidence and he starts to lead with courage and he leads into all God has for him. And I'm just here to remind us today, we need God's strength. We need his courage. We need to be able to overcome all feelings of uncertainty. And when Joshua's leading into the promised land, he doesn't rehearse the giants. He rehearses uh, the confidence he has in the Lord. And here's why this is so huge, because he learned this the hard way through a group of his friends years before. You see, in Numbers chapter twelve, God had already took God took his people out of Egyptian bondage and told him he's gonna lead them into a land. And so they sent a little fact-finding group, some spies, twelve of them, into the land of Canaan, and they brought back a report that, yes, indeed, the land was blessed and filled with milk and honey and bountiful, like God said. But they also brought back this negative report that it was filled with giants in the land. In fact, out of the 12 of them, the Bible says 10 brought a negative report. We can't do it. The giants are too big. The obstacles are too much. But there's two guys, Joshua and Caleb, And they didn't see anything different. They saw the same giants and the same difficulties. But but instead of seeing giants too big for them to defeat, they just saw giants so big that God would get more glory when he defeated them. And they brought back a good report. We can't take it. And so God takes the other 10 out. It's only Joshua and Caleb that go into the land in the book of Joshua. And he's standing standing in Joshua 1, and here's what he's doing. He's pleading with the people. Don't you dare accept the same narrative that we messed up with years ago when we said God can't do it. God can do it. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. The Lord our God is gonna be with us every place our foot sets. He's gonna give it to us. The giants might be big. That just means they're gonna fall harder when they fall, right? The ground's gonna rumble more. And it's going to be more astonishing. We're going to realize God did it for us. And the whole book of Joshua is incredible. I mean, they blow trumpets and walls fall down. There's actually a story in Joshua 10 that they can't win the battle. They need a longer day. And they actually say, God, would you let the sun stand still? And the sun goes boop. How many know that's a miracle, right? Like, just a, And literally, over and over again, the faithfulness of God is seen in the people of God. But I think it's because Joshua had the book of the law on his lips, and he meditated in his mind, and he had a mindset of faith. And God sent me here this weekend to say, I'm not saying the land of Canaan is always easy. I'm just telling you this. You don't have to be discouraged, friend. You don't have to be dismayed. The Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go, and he has has a hope and a future and you can take confidence in that wherever you are whatever you're facing our God is strong and mighty and capable and Joshua says we're going to be people that follow that report we're going to be people that occupy the land we're going to be people that conquer and rule and walk into all that the Lord has for us would you bow with me all over this room I'm gonna pray in just a second, and I'm gonna turn it over to the chapel in Richmond. And if you're here today, I'm gonna to ask a little different question. You say, Pastor, I'm a little afraid, or I'm a little discouraged. I won't embarrass you or anything like that. I just, I felt like God sent me here to bring a little bit of courage to the discouraged, and a little bit of faith to the fearful. Philip Brooks, the great preacher from New England said, every person's battling an inner battle, right? I don't know what your story is, what your struggle is. I'm here to just bring you encouragement today. No one looking around. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm a little discouraged or I'm a little fearful. Just raise your hand all over this room. It's God's addition. Oh man, maybe it's more than half of us, yeah. And so God, we don't claim to be strong in and of ourselves but we know that in our weakness you are made strong. You know that you declare that your grace is made perfect in us. For your power is made perfect in our weakness. So we confess our inability that we might plug into your availability and your capability. God, I pray for courage to fill hearts. Here in Midlothian, God, I pray for courage to fill hearts. And the chaplain in Scotts Edition, God, I pray for courage to fill hearts. in Chesterfield County Jail and online God, courage to fill hearts that we trust in you, that we believe in you, that we know the Lord our God is with us wherever we go. For we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I'm going to turn it over to Scott.